Welcome to season four of the Invest Your Best podcast with Allie Kay. Come along as I casually explore what it takes to live your best life mentally and physically by focusing on the things you can control, your thinking and actions. Come and listen as I have open, real, and honest conversations about what it takes to step into action to live your best life. It's time to invest your best. Welcome to the Invest Your Best podcast. I am your host, Allie Kay. And on this episode, I have on Mark David. He is the best-selling author of the book, Nourishing Wisdom, A Mind-Body Approach to Nutrition and Well-Being, as well as the book, The Slowdown Diet, Eating for Pleasure, Energy, and Weight Loss. He is the founder of the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, and he is the host of the celebrated Psychology of Eating podcast. Mark, thanks for joining us. Ali, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be hanging with you for the first time. Yes. So I know my listeners and I, we have so many questions and it's just great to have an expert on the podcast so we can just kind of pick your brain and move from topic to topic. So I just want to ask this general question about weight loss and your perspective on it. So everyone wants to lose weight, right? That seems like the biggest thing. And a lot of people aren't successful losing weight. Why do you think that is from a psychological perspective? What a juicy question. It's a big question. There are, I think, as many reasons psychologically why a person wouldn't lose weight as there are people trying to lose weight. In other words, it's all very individual, but I'm going to give you some common reasons. And I'm not saying these apply to everybody. But, you know, a lot of times what happens is somebody says, I want to go on a weight loss diet. They know they want to lose weight. They have their plan in front of them. And they'll say to you, I know what I'm supposed to eat. I know what I'm supposed to do. I just didn't do it. So a common refrain is, well, I sabotage myself. And usually when somebody says, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't do it. I sabotage myself. What's often happening is we're operating with another voice or another persona inside of us that isn't quite um, in our awareness. Meaning, you know, normally, let's say um, when I'm being in my professional mode, I'm a professional. I'm in my professional archetype. When I'm with my friend, I'm in my best friend mode. When I'm eating, You know, I'm not always an adult when I eat. Sometimes I'm a kid when I eat. What happens is a lot of people, when they eat, they go back in time. And the person who's eating is not a 25-year-old or a 35 or a 55-year-old. It's a 12-year-old. It's a nine-year-old. It's the part of us that was emotionally eating when we were a kid. It was the part of us that was turning to sugar to feel good. It's the part of us that just wants instant gratification. I want what I want when I want it. And oftentimes that voice is doing the nutritional choosing, is making the food choices. And we just have to be aware 
when there's another voice in us that's taking control over the food experience. That's one of the common ones that I see. Yeah, I see. It's like your subconscious, like you're just not aware of what's really going on when you do go back in time as that nine-year-old who looked for sugar as comfort. So basically you said like the first step almost is like to be aware of that. How do you, how do you become aware of that? Beautiful question. Um, awareness is a choice. You know, it's, it's, if I say to you, well, you know, I sat down to eat, but I went against my diet and I just had a bunch of sugar and I had a bunch of this, I had a bunch of that, whatever it was, there's a part of me that goes to sleep when the old voice takes over, when the, when the, when the voice of my youth or the voice of the rebel in me takes over, a part of me goes to sleep. So it's choosing to be aware. It's noticing, oh, wait a second. I'm about to eat something that I said I wasn't going to eat. Huh. Let me catch myself. Because in that moment, I'm going to sleep. In that moment, I'm checking out. So it's choosing to stay in my body. It's choosing to stay present with myself. Because there's certain places you and I are really present. And there's certain places we might check out. You know, if I go spend time with family members, there's certain family members I just kind of check out around. Or I go back into being a kid because that's that's just an old pattern. That's an old habit. So the only way to break a habit that's automatic and unconscious, i.e. I just eat, is to introduce consciousness, which is, again, making the agreement, I'm going to do my best to stay aware. We're not going to be perfect at it all the time. You know, another reason, Ali, emotional, psychological, why we don't have success with weight or weight loss is that for a lot of people, food is the best thing we have going. Food gives you a lot of pleasure. Food gives us happiness. Feel bad, eat food, feel better. Every human being knows that. You, you learn that when you're an infant. Observe any tiny little baby. They're crying, they're screaming. You give them mama and you give them the b- mama and the bottle or the breast. And in a moment, that human being is completely relaxed. They're in an experience where they're being touched, held, fed, loved, and it's all happening at once. So we have a deep cellular memory, feel bad, eat food, feel better. So as adults, we're going to turn to food. Oftentimes when I'm feeling lonely, when I'm feeling upset, I'm anxious, I'm nervous. And for a lot of us, we're turning to food to feel that pleasure that we want. I don't want to feel nervous or anxious. I don't want to feel like I don't like my life. So for many people, they have to make the choice to have a more interesting life and not make food the best thing that they have in their life. People want more. People want relationship. They want connection. They want intimacy. They want a purpose. If I'm blocking intimacy, if I'm blocking relationship, excuse me, if I'm not doing the work I really want to be doing in the world, it's going to be easy for me to reach for food. So a lot of times our food challenges have nothing to do with food. And it's all about, wait, are you being the person you want to be? Because if I'm not, I want to feel better about myself. So I'm going to go for a symbolic substitute, something that substitutes for connection, intimacy, relationship, purpose, meaning, which is food for a lot of people. 
I love how you brought that to attention. I think that's so piggybacking off the whole awareness is being aware of your basic needs. You know, one of them, which you're talking about is love and belonging. So if you're triggered by something, let's say you're stressed or, you know, I know for me, I've been so aware that, you know, I've been at the house more and I'm pregnant. So like when my kids go off or something stressful is happening, I've been going to the pantry and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I I realized that's a trigger. So I love how you're saying, you know, bring to awareness, what is it that you truly want in this moment? And it typically goes back to, you know, your basic needs, which you talked about one being love and belonging. Yes. You know, another aspect why a lot of people who say, I want to lose weight and they don't, something's getting in the way, you know, for some people, again, not for everybody, but for some people, extra weight actually can function as a protection, as a buffer against the world. So if I was hurt when I was young, abandoned when I was young, disappointed when I was young, bullied, traumatized, um, abused in any way, physically or emotionally or sexually, then every human being, we need to protect ourselves. And when you're small, when you're a small person, it's not easy to protect yourself. So one of the things the body knows what to do is the bigger the body, the more protected it is. So the largest animals in nature tend to be the ones that are the safest, tends to be the ones that are the toughest. So if I'm creating a bigger body for myself, particularly for women, you become less of a sexual target. And that extra weight gives me a sense of padding. It gives me a sense of I'm buffered against the world. Now, we don't do this consciously, but the body knows to do that to protect it. Because if you're, for a woman, let's say, if you're thin and slender, you're technically more vulnerable as a creature. If you don't have strength, size, girth, weight. So for some people, it's actually not safe for them to be at the weight that they say they want to be at. And if a part of them doesn't feel safe being at that weight, they won't get there. That's interesting. Going back just to like the cellular level of, you know, wanting to eat and all that for the love and belonging, like just going back to that. Also in our culture, I feel like everything revolves around food. You know, I have so many people expressing like, hey, you know, I'm going to start this new diet. I'm going to start these new habits tomorrow. But then a birthday party comes up or, you know, something revolving around food takes place. So what are the steps? I know like when you said becoming aware, you know, becoming aware, how do you manage the cultural part of food as well that might be contributing to the weight? Yeah, that's a big one. You know, one piece of the puzzle to managing the cultural experience around weight is oddly enough to make sure that when you eat, you're eating in the optimum state of digestion, assimilation, calorie burning, and natural appetite regulation, which happens to be the relaxation response. So what happens is a lot of human beings eat under stress. Now, stress might mean I'm eating really fast. The act of eating fast is considered a stressor by the body. You could be perfectly relaxed. And then if I give you a lovely, healthy meal and you eat it really quickly, your body will go into a stress response. You won't digest that food as fully. Calorie burning metabolism over time, if you're eating in stress day in and day out, 
you're producing more cortisol and insulin, those two hormones will signal the body to store weight, store fat, not build muscle, which is the opposite of what everybody wants. And that's all from stress eating or from eating too quickly. And a lot of the culture, particularly if you're in America, you eat fast. We call it fast food for a reason. They just don't make it fast. You eat it fast. Now, what also happens is when you eat a meal fast, the brain doesn't have enough time to register taste, pleasure, aroma, satisfaction, the visuals of a meal. All of those contribute to appetite regulation. How does your body know it's full? Your body knows it's full because your head brain and your gut brain, the brain in your belly, the brain in your digestive system, they're talking to each other. They're communicating. And your gut is saying, whoa, we got a lot of food in here. And your head brain is saying, yeah, I just ate a bunch of food. That was really good. Yeah, we got enough fat. We got enough protein. We got enough vitamins, minerals, good to go, appetite fulfilled. And then you naturally feel full and done. But if I'm eating really quickly, or I don't pay attention when I eat, your belly might feel full because you just ate a big meal, but your brain says, I don't remember eating. I didn't get taste, pleasure, aroma, satisfaction. So your brain screams hungry because that's what it knows what to do because your brain wants nutrition. It wants to know it's eaten. So humans need an eating experience. So a lot of times people are overeating in social situations because they're not present. They're not eating under the optimum state of digestion, assimilation, natural appetite regulation, again, which is the relaxation response, which means I'm not stressed, I'm not anxious, I'm not multitasking, and I'm not eating super fast. So we need to slow down. Slowing down actually helps us regulate our appetite better. That makes so much sense. I'm so guilty of eating so fast. And I think it, it happened when my first son was born. You know, you never know how much time you have. And now that my kids are older, my husband and I will like scarf down our food and then look at each other like, why do we eat so fast? You know, it's just kind of like that behavior that's been programmed in us because that, you know, as parents, it's like we, we don't know to slow down. But the, and that makes so much sense because I feel that when I eat eat fast, it's like, am I even, am I full? Like it takes that minute to really make that connection. And we desire pleasure from food. That's, you know, in part why we're eating. We want that pleasure. We want that satisfaction. We want that nourishment. Every creature on planet earth is designed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. When you eat, you're seeking the pleasure of food. You're avoiding the pain of hunger. But if you're not really getting that pleasure, you're going to return to it at some point, even if it's not 20 minutes later, an hour later, it might be later that evening where, where your brain is hungry for experience, experience of food, experience of a meal. That's why a lot of times parents like yourself, you know, you wait till the kids fall asleep and then you finally like sit down and have a nice meal or a nice snack because you can relax finally. So... Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. And sometimes that relaxation turns into binge eating. You know, I talk to a lot of moms that are like, you know, my, and I'm guilty of this too, where I go in and out of it, especially during pregnancy, but where I'm aware, you know, at night 
I am, you know, just you saying, I'm looking for an experience. I'm looking for pleasure. And then it can lead to binge eating. You know, can you talk just about binge eating in general and, and just some kind of takeaways from that? Because I know that's such a big topic is binge eating and kind of how to stop it. Yes. Ooh, big topic, big topic. Let me see if I can, you know, condense a few useful pieces here. One reason why people binge eat is very much related to their eating pattern and their eating rhythm, meaning this. A lot of us are programmed to eat three meals a day and maybe have a couple of snacks in between. So there's actually a wisdom to that. You have a breakfast, you taste it, you experience it, you metabolize it, you use it for energy, you burn it. And great. And I feel good. I just ate breakfast. And then eventually you return to lunch and eventually you go into dinner. Now, what happens is, let's say you're a busy mom and you're working and you're staying at home and and you're doing a lot, and you also maybe want to lose weight, so you decide, you know, I'm going to skip breakfast. Or I'm just going to have a cup of coffee and maybe, you know, a muffin or a piece of bread and a donut. And then, you know, maybe for lunch, you just like grab a quick salad in the house because salad, you know, it's not a lot of calories and that's going to help me lose weight. And what a lot of people do is all of a sudden it's, you know, two or three o'clock All you have in your system is some coffee, some caffeine, some salad, you know, whatever else. There's not enough nutrition in the system. There's not enough macronutrients, healthy fat, healthy protein, healthy carbohydrate. The brain is keeping score. It is predictable that if you're meal skipping, you will at some point binge. You're binging because at some point your brain figures out, I am nutritionally deprived. I need healthy fat. I need healthy protein. And your brain isn't smart enough to say, hey, you've been skipping meals or, hey, you're eating too low calorie. I know you want to lose weight, but if you're eating too low calorie, that actually slows down your calorie burning capacity as opposed to increases it. But your brain says, oh, my God, not enough nutrition, ravenous and hungry. And usually those signals don't come out until either later in the afternoon. So a lot of people are binge eating in the afternoon when they don't eat enough at breakfast and lunch, and or they'll binge eat after dinner because they're still operating on a nutritional deficit. So that's a nutritional reason. If you're eating just like pure salads and not enough fat, you will binge at some point. So a lot of binge eating is nutritionally driven and a lot of binge eating is emotionally driven, meaning, whoa, man, that was a rough day. I've been dealing, I've been working, I haven't had any moment for myself, I didn't have any time for myself. I got all this stress in my system. And what binge eating does, in order for you to binge eat, you're in a stress response. Anytime you're binge eating, there's a woo, you almost have to. So what happens is the stress in our system gets to a point where it's too much. You've taken a lot of food really fast. What that does is your brain, on one hand, it's seeking pleasure because pleasure relaxes us. It takes us out of stress. Plus, once your body has enough food inside of it, your brain goes, whoa, there's a lot of food in my belly. I need to digest that food. But in order for you to digest food, your body has to be in a relaxation response. So your body, when you've binged on a lot of food, automatically relaxes you. So you go from stress to relaxation, because after you binge eat, you're just kind of like a couch potato, i.e. you're super relaxed. So what we're symbolically doing is the stress is reaching a peak. We take food to relax us. 
It eventually does, but at what cost? So one of the key ways to deal with binge eating like that when it's coming from stress, and it could be other sorts of stresses, you know, you could be going through issues at work, you could have problems in relationship that can cause us to binge eat because it's causing us stress. So the key is to become conscious during a binge. What happens is in order for you to binge eat, you check out, you just, you, you disappear, the wolf takes over and you're not there fully when you binge eat. So in order for us to control that habit, we, we have to be present. So the way to be present is to say, oh, I'm about to binge eat. Wait a second, let me slow down. Instead of ravenously eating, I'm going to put the food in a bowl. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths. I'm going to put on some music or I'm going to put on a nice video. I'm going to dim the lights and you set a mood. But really what you're doing is you're creating consciousness. You're creating presence. You're not checking out, you're checking in. And if you eat slow, when you binge eat, you don't eat nearly as much because you quickly realize, wait a second, I'm full. So instead of binging on 12 cookies, you binge on six cookies. And the next time, instead of binging on six cookies, you binge on four. And the next time, instead of binging on four, maybe you stop at two or three because, hey, you know, you want a dessert, rough day. So the binge just becomes a, a treat, but it's calling in consciousness. It's and, and the technique is to ritualize the binge experience, make it specific, agree with yourself that if I'm about to binge eat, I'm going to slow down, play nice music. I'm going to eat slowly. I'm going to prepare my food first. So instead of going back and forth to the refrigerator, say, <clears throat> here's what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with this one bowl of cereal and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. Why? Because I'm eating it anyway. That's what I'm, why I'm eating it. I want pleasure. I want experience. So great. If you want pleasure and you want experience, then slow it down. You know, nobody says, wow, I love sex so much. Let's just do it in 30 seconds and get it over with. No, you want to make it last. So same with food. If you love it so much, make it last. And when you do that, you start to notice that you're staying present. You're staying in your body. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I like that perspective because a lot of times, you know, people go from that all or nothing thinking, you know, okay, yeah. tomorrow I'm just going to stop binge eating and then they're not very successful with it. So I love how you say, you know, become aware, slow it down, you know, and accept it, like accept that you're going to eat the cereal, but you're going to make it last or whatever it is. So I love that tactic. And I also like how you talked about the reduction, you know, maybe one night you're binging on 12 cookies and then the next night you try for 10, you know, you slowly reduce that and, and build that habit rather than just going from this all or nothing. So I love that. That's very, very key. I think so. And I, I think it's also helpful 
to, to understand first and foremost that every unwanted behavior that you and I have with food, I binge eat. Unwanted behavior, don't like it. We have to realize that every unwanted behavior with food actually has a brilliant reason that's rooted somewhere in our biology or our psychology or both. Meaning you're not just doing it because you're a loser. You're not just doing it because you're a willpower weakling. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. There is a reason for every behavior. So when you discover the good reason, you're able to let go of judgment. You're able to let go of self-attack and go, oh, right. I haven't eaten much today. I skipped breakfast. I had a tiny lunch. And here I am at four o'clock and I'm binge eating. Oh, right. Body hungry for food. So at least you can understand, oh, that's why I did it. I'm not a loser. I'm not a willpower weakling. People don't have issue with willpower. The issue is either we're not present when we eat or we've been starving ourselves if it's a nutritional issue and the body's hungry for food. So the same thing with you had a really rough day at home, rough day at work, and finally the house has calmed down, the kids are sleeping, and you want to binge. Oh, wait a second. I have a lot of stress in my system. No wonder I want to binge eat because I need stress relief. What else would help me relieve stress? other than going for food. Is there something else? And I'll have my students, my clients make a list. Here are the things that relax me. Persons, places, things, thoughts, feelings, experiences, music, you know, dance, movement, yoga, stretch. You know, what is it that you can do other than food that helps relax you? You know, for me, it's music. For me, it's watching little funny animal videos where, you know, dogs and pigs and horses are playing together, something like that. You know, it just relaxes me or Watching surfing or ocean videos relaxes me. So we're understanding I'm doing this binge eating for a reason. I'm looking for stress reduction. I had a rough day. I, I, we can accept that in ourselves as opposed to, oh, I'm a loser. I'm binge eating. Because once we go into self-attack, we're done. We're, we, we are ineffective. Fighting yourself never solves a problem. Hating on yourself never solves a problem. I still haven't met the person who said, you know, I wanted to lose weight and I just hated on myself so much that one day I woke up happy and, and, and thin. It doesn't happen like that. If you wish to end up at a destination where you're happy, the journey you take there has to have some happiness in it, has to have a little bit of love in it, has to have a little bit of relaxation little bit of self-acceptance and self-understanding. I love how you said that. That's actually the first step of my entire weight loss journey that I was on is I recognized that I was against myself, that self-talk, you know, I was so negative towards myself. And, you know, I, I continue to tell people, you got to give yourself grace. You got to get on the same side of yourself. So I love that you said that too. I loved how you touched on the replacement behaviors. You know, what is it that relaxes you? It's kind of like alcohol, you know, people want to relax and then they go for alcohol and really, you know, you don't get that good night's sleep. It, you know, it makes your cortisol levels go up, all the things, but it's like, we have to bring to awareness what are those things that relax us because they exist and it doesn't have to be binge eating or alcohol or the stuff that doesn't truly relax us. You know, what you're reminding me, Allie, is that when we look at our eating challenges, not like this means there's something wrong with me. If I binge eat, if I overeat, that means there's something wrong with me. Rather, let's look at it as every eating challenge is a great teacher. It's trying to teach me. It's trying to help me learn and grow. 
my challenge with weight, my challenge with body image, my challenge with binge eating or emotional eating doesn't mean you're a loser. It means that we're all learning and growing. That's what we do when we arrive on planet Earth. We're learning and growing. We're having experience. So how is my binge eating? How is my emotional eating? How is my weight trying to teach me? You know, for you, one of the things it was teaching you was, yeah, you can't be against yourself and expect growth and evolution and positive change. <laughs> like you're a mother, so you want your baby to be nice and healthy as a human being. And when your baby pops out, you, you don't say, oh my God, you have baby fat. I hate you. And I'm not going to love you until you lose your baby fat. So therefore, don't talk to me. It's You wouldn't speak to your child that way. So don't speak to you that way. If you won't speak to your kid that way or your best friend, then you don't deserve that kind of language either. Absolutely. And I think the relationship you have with yourself really, you know, sets the tone for the relationships you have with other people, your kids, your spouse, whoever, you know, so it's really, it starts with you, that relationship you have with yourself. So I love that you, we've touched upon that. Real quick, just going to kids, because you kind of brought up, you know, we can have these habits that happened at nine or, you know, that kind of like live in our subconscious. What are just some like tidbits, like healthy psychology of eating that I can kind of just start with my kids at this age, because this is truly, you know, the relationship they have with food. This is where it starts in childhood. Children will model after the adults in their world. They're not going to listen to you so much as they're going to watch what you do. Children are brilliant observers. They're poor interpreters, but they're brilliant observers. They observe you and they do what you do. So... As a parent, the more you do work on self relative to loving your own body, the more you're imparting that to your children just by being who you are. So some of the best work you can do to help your children have a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with their body is for you to have that for you because they're going to feel it. They're going to watch mommy. They're going to see how she moves. They're going to see how she looks in the mirror. They're going to pick up on the little things you say that you didn't even realize. So if you walk by the mirror and you go, oh, God, I'm fat today, they hear that, boom, and it registers for them. And they think they need to repeat that behavior because the person that's a God to them is doing that, their mama or their papa. So everything that you do that elevates you is naturally, to me, going to elevate them. And, you know, another piece of the puzzle is, especially for, for children, what I did with my son is I was very clear with him. You know, we have the way we eat in the house. Here's how we eat in the house. Here's how we eat every day. And occasionally we eat some of these other foods that are, you know, yeah, we go to a birthday party. You can have a piece of cake. You go to a birthday party. I'll let you have a little Coca-Cola, but we're not having that in the house. I'm not buying that. And it's not going to be every day. It's going to be for a special occasion. Why? Because it doesn't help your body. It doesn't help you grow big and strong. So m trying to not make something bad and evil, because as soon as you make something bad, don't eat that, is bad for you. Well, as soon as we say that, you're thinking, when am I going to eat that? That's just kind of how the mind <laughs> works. Well, if it's bad for me, then it must be good somehow, because all the bad, all the foods that are bad for you, they're always sweet. They always taste good. They're always fried or fatty, and they just, they just call us. So I try to take away the moralism from food and just say, hey, these are the foods that make you healthier and make you grow big and strong. And these are the foods that can 
you know, not do that. So we don't eat so much of that. And this way, your kids are not trying to sneak around and not feeling like there's anything on the forbidden list. So they feel that freedom as opposed to, oh, there's these intense rules that I'm going to break somehow. I love that. Drop the moral value associated with food. And I'm trying that with my oldest, my eight-year-old, you know, to truly make that connection with food. Hey, when we eat stuff with the red dye in it, you don't have a lot of control of our bodies and we're crazy, you know, our behavior, we're bouncing up the walls, you know, but when we eat this food, it fuels us. So trying to really make that connection. I love that. And I just want to stop because there's so many moms listening to this podcast and this is what I preach and you just talked about it. I truly believe as anyone, and especially a mom, you have to prioritize you first, you know, and for some reason in society that might be deemed selfish when moms put themselves first. But what you just said about how, you know, we model we model for our kids. So if we're not working on the relationship we have with ourselves, you know, working on a relationship with food, all the things, how are we supposed to model, you know, this behavior for our kids if we're not putting in the work for ourselves? So I love that you said that. Thank you. I hope to hear it from you. <laughs> and take it away. I appreciate you saying that. And, and it is so important. I'm glad you highlighted that because we, we're, we're the most important models for our children and the challenge is, you know, it's not just you raising your child, your children are being exposed to the world and the world isn't always giving them good messages. The media doesn't give them good messages. Social media doesn't give them good messages necessarily about their body, about their, you know, about their sexuality. So you have to give them good messages. You have to let your kids know, you know, you're beautiful. You're lovable. I love how you look. Um, this is your perfect how you are and really constantly let your kids know, especially for the young girls, because I think they have it really hard when it comes to body image and expectations around their body. They need to hear from the people closest to them that you are lovable as you are. Period. Absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where we can buy your books, uh, more about where we can find the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, your podcast. Tell us where to find you. Allie, thanks. Yeah. So our website is psychologyofeating.com. You can learn all about us. You can learn about our coach training program, some of our public programs, uh, Psychology of Eating podcast. You could just Google that. On Facebook, just Psychology of Eating, you'll find us. We post all kinds of free content. We have a YouTube channel. And yeah, the podcast is really popular. I just work with people who just come on and we do a session together and, you know, work on whatever their food and body or weight challenges and just one session and move people forward. So it's a lot of fun. And yeah, that's how you find us. Love it. Go check them out. Lots of great resources. And thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Invest Your Best podcast. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>